Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me as always, coming to us live from the quantum realm, your co-host, <laughs> Kirk. Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> and based on Kirk's interpretation of the quantum realm, it's just that one scene from Alice in Wonderland where she's like falling in perpetuity. <laughs> Yeah, just no gravity. No just, gravity yeah, yeah. equals quantum realm. <laughs> I like it. That's see, that's how I know you're an actor and you're not just you're not just BSing me because I threw a prompt out there and you just went. You're just yeah. like, and it's on. I, I love that. I think other people would a lesser person would not dive into it the way that you did, but you did. And yeah, I respect it's, that. It's the yes and requirement. Uh, yeah. as much <laughs> yeah. as I possibly can, I will do whatever you say. Yes, you have to. Um and I'm your other co-host, Cam. We are here to review a film. Let's just get down to brass tacks, Kirk. No, we're not going to beat around the bush. No. The reason we're here tonight is exactly what we teased in the last episode. We are going to review Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania spoiler free. So just to set the stage for you, we just crossed 1 a.m. here. Um, Kirk and I have just returned from the movie theater. Yeah. And we are going to give our thoughts on this movie like 30 minutes after seeing it. Um, so that's that's just to give you context of where we are at mentally. That is where we're at. So Not stable. Not stable. Not mentally stable. Mentally. <laughs> Too much caffeine. Um, but that's that can be good or bad. I will say that I have given some of my worst scores in this exact set of s- scenarios. So that's just a little teaser for you there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. we'll just, we'll see. And some of my best, I gave, I gave su- the suicide squad like a bajillion points after we saw it really late at night one night. And I, I stand by that. So yeah, here, here we go. We're shot out of a cannon and <laughs> ready to rock. All right. And there's nothing they can do about it. Nothing, Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Nothing. So we're going to do this spoiler free. We, are, we truly are. We're not going to spoil anything that is not shown in the trailer. So if you are also avoiding trailers, maybe that's the one thing. Like if you're trying to avoid every single detail, don't listen. But if it's in the trailer, it's fair game. So that'll be the, that'll be the ground rules for this session. And then we'll follow up uh, early next week with some deeper thoughts on this. For those of you who went to go see the film, which we encourage you to do regardless of the scores that we give in this episode. Go see it for yourself. Make your own opinion. Let's get into it, Kirk. I'm going to start off with a quick synopsis, and then we will be off and running. You ready? I'm so ready. Here we go. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, or as I like to call it, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because there, there's Ant-Man in there. I don't know if anybody's told you this. Hold on. Let it sink in. I know. I Think know. It. It's, Spell it out. Pick up the, sh- the fragments of your skull from across the room and reassemble them after you just got that knowledge dropped on you. But basically, where we are at here in the timeline is as far forward as we know of um, in, in the MCU timeline. And Scott Lang is living his normal life when, um, you know, he's got his family, he's got his nice blossoming relationship with Hope, everything's good, he's got his daughter Cassie, who's all big and grown up after the events of the Avengers and the time skip and and all of those things, Um, and his daughter Cassie Lang creates a transponder, a basically a two-way radio to the quantum realm, antics ensue, 
the group gets sucked into the quantum realm where, as you have seen in the trailers, they come face to face with the newest big bad in the MCU, Kang the Conqueror, who's played by Jonathan Majors. And that's basically the table dressings for this this movie, Table Stakes. Well, that's where we start and that's where we'll leave you for the synopsis. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Cassie looked a little bit different this time around. I didn't understand that, but different actor. <laughs> different oh, actor. Yeah. Yep. A little bit of re a little bit of recasting. Recasting. Oh, oh, we're full of the <laughs> wordplay. Oh tonight. gosh. No, it's not good. This is a bad sign. This is a bad sign. We will sign. only record at 1 a.m. going forward. <laughs> we get that. very punny. We get very, very punny past a certain time <laughs> in the evening, apparently. But yeah, so um, other than that, it's our it's our regular gang of ant and bug-based heroes with with uh Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly and Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas and many others. And mm-hmm. that's where we're at. Anything wow. else, Kirk? That's all we can tell them right now. That's it. That's right. So let's start as we always do with the acting performances. Um, I always think when you're talking about a movie like this and people are so into the world, uh, talking about which acting performances uh, you liked could tip your hand into how you felt about the movie or, or how the movie is the general vibe. So we'll see if that's the case for anyone who's listening, but that was something that I was thinking about here and it may ring true because I'm giving my Oscar for, and the Oscar goes to, to Mr. Jonathan majors, uh, newcomer to the MCU. He is playing King, the conqueror. As you saw in the trailers, he also in the Loki series plays he who remains, which is just another variant of Kang. Um, but this, in this movie, we see him as a full fledged villain. Um, in many ways, this is his movie. I mean, I, I, you'd be hard pressed to make an argument. Otherwise, um, Thanos didn't really get a big movie to set himself up. He kind of, he kind of lurked in the shadows for a while, but this is Kang front and center Big bad against one of our lingering um, original heroes from the last few phases. Uh, so you got Ant-Man and the Wasps, two of our biggest sort of like legacy names that remain um, on the the Avengers side. So this is it. And Jonathan Majors does what Jonathan Majors does. I mean, if you've had the privilege of watching one of his performances thus far, whether it be in the harder they fall, the last man, last black man in San Francisco, um, uh, the five bloods. I mean, this dude brings it. He is an actor. <laughs> uh, he has all kinds of tricks up his sleeve. He has amazing intensity and ferocity that he can bring to the scene. He's, he's hyper intentional with all of his choices. Um, he's bold. He makes bold acting choices. He, he delivers lines in a way that, um, feel just, you know, feel just completely unique to him. And he does things in a way that only he can do truly a a star blossoming before our eyes in this film. And he elevates it to new heights in so many ways. Um, So I was really thrilled. I I was, you know, we've been Kirk and I, I mean, on this podcast, have been talking about Jonathan major since we first saw him. And when this casting happened, we were both were stoked about it. And so it's been a long time coming. There was a whole pandemic and all of that. And here it is. And it is worth the price of admission. The hype is real. Jonathan Majors is here. 
Um, and he's going to make a big mark on the MCU. So it's, uh, it's very exciting. Well, 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 here we are, Cam. And here we are. I have the same answer for my Boom. Oscar goes to. Let me lay some things out to you about Jonathan Majors. Uh, there's a lot of similarities I find in him and myself. So Jonathan oh, here Majors. We go. Oh, it's, it's, it's insane. Yeah. Just strap in. I sure. Mean, he was born in 1989. I was born in 1989. Whoa. He went and graduated from the Yale School of Drama. Uh-huh. I thought about going to the Yale yes. School of Drama. You know, his 18 film credits, film and TV credits, and five on the way. I have been in at least 18 short, small, random videos with my friends or for yep. this podcast with, I mean, hundreds of ideas on the way. And Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy. Kennedy had a secretary named Lincoln. I mean, it's just the it's it's the it's uncanny. It's uncanny. And the body. Let's talk about the body. I mean, I feel like it's it's like looking in a mirror. I mean, I could I could chisel up a little bit more, but you know, I don't want to really scare anybody off. So those those things make me really connected to him. And I thought that I should just express what I love about Jonathan Majors here today on the podcast. That being said, the challenge was steep. He wasn't scared of any of the requirements here. He had to have, when he signed the deal with Marvel, multiple fully fleshed out characters. We know Kang is a man in and out of time and that we will see multiple facets of him with the same main objective, but different environments of nurture and survival. And man, is he specific. I absolutely love what he is doing. It is not only exactly what the audience wants, but it's also exactly what the audience cannot anticipate. Just when you think that he's going to zig left, he zags right. (laughs) Just like that. It's it's pretty impressive. He's got a big toolbox uh, that he can pull all of his tricks out of. And most of all, he is listening so carefully to his co-stars. Absolutely impressive. Jonathan Majors. It's because we're so alike. You get the Oscar tonight. That has to be it. I can't think of any other explanations. So thanks for breaking that down for us. I appreciate it. And what you're just a pros pro, Kirk, I have to say. Thank um, you. But yeah, I mean, we if you go back and listen to all the, the extensive deep dives we did during Loki um, on Kang as, as that quickly came into focus during that show, um, or if you've just kind of been digging into it with regard to knowing that Kang is coming. I mean, this, this is a, this is a task. This is a yeah. task and a half um, for anybody who takes it on. Uh, I think John, Jonathan majors is more than up to the task and, and can do it. It's, it's going to be something. It already has been <laughs> after seeing this movie, something to behold, but I think it's going to be something that continues to be um, pretty fun to watch. I mean, just, just candidly really a good time. Um, yes. So that's exciting. Next up, scene stealer. Ooh man, this was, this one was tough. This was a bit of a brain buster. As I had, you know, ten minutes on the drive home to to come up with it. I, w- I wish You're I would just have... like rolling through the Rolodex. Like <laughs> who was in this movie? Ranking them. It's on the nice though because I usually cars. I usually brain pretzel myself for multiple days before we do these reviews. So now it's like decisiveness. Like yeah. what did you see? What did you like? Tag it. Go. Um, so. Real simple, I'm going with Scott Lang, Mr. Paul Rudd. I think this movie struggles to get off 
its feet. Um, it just really kind of flounders in the early stages. And the one man who was up to the task to hold it together was Mr. Paul Rudd as Scott Lang. He's, he's doing all of the things that we, we need from him to kind of help us to feel okay and comfortable in the scenarios that are being thrown at us. It, the movie starts at an absolutely torrid pace. Um, we're flying through things. We're flying through bits of information. And the one kind of safety net to it all is Paul Rudd. And and, and uh, he gets his chance to shine in, in the final act of the movie as well. And that's where he seals the deal for me is that he has these great, like very typical Scott Lang Ant-Man moments in the early half of the film that are so, so needed. And then in the back half, he just turns it up a notch, which we know Paul Rudd can do. He can tap into all kinds of amazing... Um, he, he just has this way, this authenticity about him that he can tap into that's that's totally his own and feels so real. He has innate ability to just inject uh, just boatloads of heart into any scenario, and that's what we get at the end of the movie, and it just really pieces it all together. So, Paul Rudd, love what you're doing. I, I thought this was another standout performance as Scott Lang here. Um, not in the same way as the as his other performances as Scott Lang, but in a different way that was also good. So, he's my scene stealer, Paul Rudd. Well, I'm glad to hear that we have different scene stealers. And this is going to be a little bit of a departure for me because I love protagonists. I, I think they should always be top tier one and two with uh, our acting awards. But I'll explain that later. My scene stealer today goes to Michelle Pfeiffer. And it's no movie. There's no Michelle Pfeiffer this is my life, and these times are so hard, and it's getting even harder trying to feed and water my seed. Plus, teeter-totter, caught up between being a father and a prima donna, baby mama drama screaming on and too much for me to want to stay in one spot. Another day in monotony. Yeah, right, Cam? You know those words? Yes, Slim Shady. <laughs> I am I am aware. I, was, I didn't know you were going to go that far with it, but I respect yeah. it. A quick departure is that um, Mackay Pfeiffer is referenced in Eminem's Lose Yourself, and Michelle Pfeiffer steals the show. She deserves her own song. I think until I was about, I don't know, three years ago, I thought that he was saying Michelle Pfeiffer, or I uh, constantly mix them up, just not confident. But now I'm confident, and I'm confident in my decision as well, and that's what I wanted to get to, that Michelle Pfeiffer, who would have thought that her career would have been rebooted by the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Because I don't really know the last thing she was in before Dangerous Minds, but certainly, and Grease too, but certainly she was not like front and center on the red carpets. And that's perfectly fine. She probably was just doing other fun things, and that's fantastic. But seeing her on camera at this stage of her life is so much more fascinating than when she was earlier on in her career. And uh, I absolutely love seeing her work, seeing her figure out each uh, individual task, each individual objective along the way for her to carry on to the next scene. It's something that you don't really understand when you are a younger actor and it's really apparent when you watch a lot of performances and when you watch watch a lot of film and there are some younger actors or some less experienced actors in this film that you see they're just trying to 
emote what they think should be emoted without putting in the the backstory character work and development of who this person is, where have they been, where are they right now, and where would they like to be? All trying to just be super selfish. Uh, when you're an actor, you have to think selfishly because as humans, we think selfishly, and you have to think, what do I want? How would I? How do I get it from whoever's around me? Whether it's someone on my own, on my own team, from my family, or the villain in the story, or the people, the strangers in this story, the creatures in this story. And Michelle Pfeiffer does that at an excellent pace. And I just got to give her the kudos. Bravo, Michelle Pfeiffer. Nice. I, I like it. I like it a lot. I thought about picking her. She has a great monologue in this movie um, that kind of coincides with some some really great scene work with with her. That that really is is the turning point for the film. For me, it's, it's the point where the movie turns the corner, finds what it is, and becomes something altogether different, and she is sort of the catalyst for all that, so I like that pick a lot. Um, okay, let's get into the production. Um, let's talk about the dang thing uh, and, and what we liked and what we didn't like. Let's start with what we liked, um, which is called Showstopper. We'll talk about what from this movie blew us away, what was the iconic piece of it. I think for me, and, and I hate to be banging the same drum, but I think the the villain work is really solid here and i think and this is something unique to marvel i think what this movie does really well is um how it ties into the other films in the mcu um i think uh, this the where we've been at with the marvel cinematic universe throughout phase 4 has kind of been this teeter tottering like where are we at? What's important? What's not? There's all these blending styles, all these different character choices and uh, character trajectories that are changing, overlapping, whatever. And this movie was the first thing really since, I don't know, Loki, that felt like, okay, this is where things are at. This is where we are going. This is the new direction. And I think that that just gives an overwhelming, you know, for Marvel fans, uh, it gives an overwhelming sense of relief. It gives an overwhelming sense of, okay, I can kind of get my bearings now. I can see where we're going. Um, that's where you want to be, kind of, in these uh, universes. And and it's it's weird because it's kind of counterintuitive because I actually think that as a film, as a piece of art, it suffers because of that. Um, this film cannot exist by itself it cannot stand alone I, I you know to think about dropping someone into this film as their first experience with marvel is kind of hilarious like having no concept of the characters or whatever it could never work but that's what makes the marvel cinematic universe unique and so whenever you review these films my personal opinion is you have to factor that in and you have to think about how does this layer in and how does that change your perspective of the film and I think it absolutely has to, and that's what this movie does really well. I view this movie as a Kang movie. Um, I think what they do for that character and how they set up that character is masterful. I think it's smart. Um, it's calculated, which is which is a really good feeling because some of the things that have been happening recently feel uncalculated. So even though I, I would concede that like, maybe as a 
I mean, certainly as a movie, it suffers because it's in the MCU and it has to fulfill those obligations. It does a really good job of fulfilling those obligations. It's almost the opposite of kind of what happened with Doctor Strange where you're like, man, there was like a really, really good movie here that feels like it was kind of taken from us a bit because of the MCU. It's like, this one's like, man, this would have been a disaster bad movie if it wasn't for the MCU and what it does for the MCU, that makes it something altogether different. So that's what makes this, it's going to be a tricky one to score, but what they've done here with the villain, I think gives this movie staying power within the scope of the MCU and uh, potentially really sets things into a nice direction that I think is going to be exciting for, for what's to come. So talk about a teaser. I'm really laying it on thick here uh, for anybody who hasn't seen the movie. So um, we'll get into it more as we, as we break this down. Yeah. Staying power or Kang Ing. Oh boy. Okay. (laughs) We're, we've reached our limit on, uh, on puns here. (laughs) Yeah. You like it. You like it. I have the same showstopper. It's that, that's why this is Kang's world and we're all just living in it. His character development imprint is all over the script, the concept, the danger, the wins, the losses, every single aspect of this. And to a fault, it is, incredible <laughs> it's it's absolutely masterful just as cam said i i just want to just full steam ahead on what this looks like i know that disney's gonna pull the brakes a little bit on how much content they release per year we've gotten a little bit of those statements this past week which is good because the anticipation is only only going to build i'm going to watch this on repeat uh, as soon as it hits disney plus or purchase it i don't know but the the creation of this danger is exactly what has been lacking in phase four. And we've finally reached the point where we can see it. And I only wish that this movie would have been released earlier, but there's a lot of visual effects in this film. They probably could not release it earlier. They were probably finishing up all the final touches. When you watch the credits, you'll see that there are 1 billion people working on this to make it look as good as it does. Uh, But Kang's universe, Kang's total character concept, ingrained in the full story, not only in this film, but the future of the MCU, absolutely stops the show for me as well. Nice. Yeah, let's talk about the other side then, Kirk. Since we were aligned on this, let's see where we were at on director's shoes. Um, this is where it gets really tricky. Um, I, I would say you could almost describe this movie as a disaster piece in, in some ways because it's just like things... It's not a perfect film. It has, in my opinion, loads of errors, particularly in the first half. And I think, for me, the pacing is the thing that really does this movie in whenever you think about just it as a film. Um, the first hour or 45 minutes to an hour is just not good. That first act I, I did not like, um, I thought everything was super rushed getting into the like quantum realm, like that whole thing, uh, them kind of finding their way there. It's just like, go, go, go fast, fast, fast. We're not building relationships. We're not building through lines. We're not setting up, uh, comedic set pieces that can help later to kind of there's just there's a lot missing um in that first act that I feel like could have been paid off in the second half of the movie but once it does hit its stride it's in a good place but then it's like we screech the brakes it's like okay 
We've reached our destination. And now let's talk about all of the different things and all of these side characters and all of this stuff that's going on. Um, it really slows down. And even though there is like pretty much nonstop action in that last hour, it still feels like, okay, you know, where are we going? What's, what's the end result here? Is this the ending? Is that the ending? Oh, this is the ending. Oh no, wait, this is the ending. It's just a lot of like different things kind of being dragged out. And I think that that really hurts it. Um, as a, as a project overall, I think the pacing is just a little herky jerky throughout and I wish it could have been smooth. I hate that the first part of this movie is basically just a means to an end. I don't think any part of any movie should ever feel like that. And they should have found some way to smooth it out. I think again, you kind of, you see both the good and the bad of the Marvel cinematic universe in this movie, because it's like, in some ways this movie is elevated so much by the ways that it ties into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And in other ways, it is dragged down by the fact that it, you know, almost doesn't have enough subject matter to fill a movie. And so they're trying to like, in some ways it has too much and in other ways it doesn't have enough. So they're, they've, they're stuck in this really weird space, but I would have actually liked more time to allow us to set things up in the beginning so that the end uh, and the second half could feel more impactful. Uh, I think the whole Kang piece and, and really what this movie ends up sort of being about saves it from being a really forgettable movie. So that is a godsend. But at the beginning, I was like, we are not in good shape here. Like the, the visuals at the beginning of the quantum realm were rough. The pacing all over the place. The line delivery, the acting, whoo, rough dialogue bad like at one point uh Catherine newton's character says there's quantum people in the quantum realm and i about died like i almost did one of those like anime embarrassment face plant things where you're like you know like in pokemon <laughs> and that wasn't the only bad line and bad delivery there was there was a lot of that going on in the first like 45 minutes of this movie and i was just like please make it stop please let things get better and then they do and, and that's great but it's uh it it's it's bumpy, you know. The 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 night is darkest just before the dawn kind of, kind of thing going on here. So that's my director's shoes. Well, my director's shoes, I will keep brief because when we dive into this, I want to say the exact same things but in greater detail. But you know, I, I wanted to really put something out there is that for our listeners, make sure you go check out our YouTube channel because I'm literally going to put on what I'm going to deem my director's shoes. So hold on. Trying not to. It's like a slipper. Ah, yes, they're absolutely my slippers. They are a little smelly. Thank goodness there's no smell of vision on this podcast. <laughs> smell of vision. Okay, I can officially tell you my director's shoes. My bullet points the visual concept for the supporting cast was not unique, it was pretty borrowed, stolen random but not funny at times when they were attempting to land some jokes number two our heroes can look like heroes but they shouldn't look like models when they emote it's harder to believe the realism or connectivity between audience and model because they look like models and i do not number three there was a stronger and more challenging ending to this film that they did not choose which was disappointing it would have been harder to write themselves into the next chapter after this, and I wish they would have taken it. 
And finally, for my final director's shoes, again, come listen to the spoiler fooled, fooled, filled, (laughs) spoiler filled episode that we drop later. Uh, There was not enough Ant-Man in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Not enough of him. And those are my director's shoes. Not enough Ant-Man. Let's talk about not enough the Wasp. This has been a chronic issue for this character i'm starting to be like who who did you insult evangeline lily like what is going on here because it's just you know it's it's bad (laughs) her name is on the movie she never plays a significant role in any of these projects ever you know i think i know what it is i think that hollywood is holding her personally accountable for the final season of lost i think it's oh that could be all her fault, unfortunately. They're just trolling her. They're like, hey, here's this great role, like, you know, Janet Van Dyne, right? Like, huge character, or sorry, Hope Van Dyne. Janet Van yeah. Dyne's a huge character in the comics, but, you know, Hope Van Dyne, this is going to be big, you know, the, the Wasp, and then it's like, ha, joke's on you, you don't get to actually do anything ever. That's right, we'll never forgive you for your flash <laughs> sideways in the final season of Lost, which made no sense. That's yeah. what she's paying for, unfortunately, her and the entire cast. It could be, it could be. Um, I like that you brought up the ending because there are some ways that I would have done that for yeah. sure. We'll, we'll get into it, but um, yeah, let's talk final thoughts and scores. This is going to be a doozy. I have been grappling with this for the last 20 minutes. And uh, let me tell you <laughs> where I've arrived is a place that I'm kind of okay with. So just be ready for the asterisks to come out. No, I'm going to stand by it for at least a day. Um, my score. So, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, it's it's one of those films that, it, as I said earlier, just really only works in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think people who aren't fully into the connected story should hate this movie. I think it, it doesn't bring a lot to the table if you don't like that sort of thing and if you're viewing it as sort of a siloed individual project. Um, there's going to be a lot of head-scratching and a lot of, like, this isn't cinema. And, and I get that. I, I certainly do. The other side of it is that as a part of the connected story, it does some of the most compelling things. It does the most compelling things that we have seen since, well, certainly since Spider-Man No Way Home, but probably really since Avengers Endgame in terms of moving the story forward and, and giving us a sense of direction. It does a lot of really strong work there. Um, so, I will just say that as a, as a Marvel fan, you know, as somebody who has really enjoyed these movies so far, I'm kind of conflicted because on the one hand, I'm watching this and like I said, I was like, I really didn't like the first act of this movie and I feel like overall, the total movie, like how much will I revisit it? I really like everything that happens in the second half, but I find the first half really hard to watch. But I'm sitting there in the theater afterwards going, okay. I feel good about where we're at. Like for the first time in a while, I feel pretty confident about where things are heading because I liked black Panther Wakanda forever, but that movie really does kind of exist on its own. It doesn't really have massive ties outside of it with the exception of the Ironheart stuff, whatever. We haven't really seen that. This movie was the first movie of the new phases to give me an overwhelming sense of like, okay, I, I feel good and confident in the direction that we're heading after 
a couple of years of tumult. So that I think should be a, a welcome sign. And I think, you know, I heard a lot of chatter on the way out of the movie theater of people kind of saying the same thing. Like, Ooh, I like that. I like where we're heading and, and people kind of ooing and eyeing at the, uh, um, post credit scenes and, and things like that. So I think if you're a Marvel fan and you're kind of looking for what, where are we going to go? This movie will, will, will say to you, you know, it will, it will give you that, that feeling of like, okay, I have a sense of direction. I have a compass and I know where we're going. So that is a great result. Overall, the execution could have been better with the exception of, I think the second, the second half of the movie does a, a pretty good job at executing everything with regards to King with regards to where they kind of end up going with these characters, even though it's like the payoff isn't as good as it could have been because the first part wasn't strong, but um, they do, they do a pretty good job overall. And the second half is, is really enjoyable outside of those pacing issues that I mentioned. So with all that being said, unfortunately the first act does drag it down quite a bit for me. I'm putting this at 6.6 out of 10 kernels 6.6 out of 10 i heard your score was 6.66 and i have some questions about your i always round up kirk so that's impossible that's impossible actually (laughs) oh what a difficult thing to do scoring a movie minutes mere minutes after we've seen it this is this is difficult uh quite a good exercise fun and difficult i really felt that I was shocked by myself because when there is rough acting or rushed character lines, just as Cam said, it really just destroys a movie for me. But there's something about this one that didn't do it. It's kind of similar in a way to Civil War, uh, Captain America Civil War, where Spider-Man's introduced. However, there's a much better introduction of Peter Parker there where we don't have to go through the spider bite and everything. We get like, I don't know, four and a half minutes of strong, concise dialogue and character work that catapults us to the rest of his storyline right then and there. We don't really get that with Cassie in this, in this sense that I'd hoped, which again, part of the rush, the rush storylines, but it didn't really, I didn't really hate it. I didn't like it, but I did. I didn't hate it. And very rare for me, very rare for me, Uh, an incredible or a couple of very strong, powerful acting performances can flip a movie on its head. And honestly, it's not smoke and mirrors. It's just good writing and good character work. And that's what won me over on this film. Plenty to say, what about this? What about that? And plenty of things that that uh, anyone could could poke holes at. Very, very true to say as a standalone film, this score does not hit the score that I'm about to tell you. But in relation to the entirety of the MCU, uh, and I'm talking about from the very first one, from Iron Man 2008, if you're talking release date, or Captain America First Avenger, if you're talking timeline, this fits very well and sits very high on the totem pole. My score today, hold your breath, it's 8.3 out of 10 kernels. Nice. I like it. That's a healthy score. That's a healthy there score. And I think this is one of those movies, Kirk, where it's like, you know, we, we've had a few of these in the MCU where you don't, you don't know where it stands until the dust settles, until you understand where the ramifications take you. How often do they harken back to this? How often does this set the stage for things that we just didn't foresee? And so things that didn't make sense now do. Um, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch 
the thing that I will say for all Marvel fans is you should have, in my opinion, a pretty clear direction of where things are heading, as, as I've said over and over and over again. And hopefully that gives you the same sense of relief that it gave me as a fan. And I think Kirk too, because we both just kind of looked at each other and we're like, okay, you know, it's all out there now. Let's, let's rock and roll. Um, so that, that is a welcome sight. It really is because phase four has been rough. We've talked about it. There's just been, there's been a lack of trajectory and guidance that I think the fans needed coming out of Endgame to tell everybody that it's going to be okay. We have a plan. And, right. um, now that that plan is coming into focus, I think there's a lot, a lot to dig into a lot to look forward to. And that is exactly what we're going to do in the very next episode of popcorn for breakfast. When we get into more details, um, but go see, go see Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania this weekend, share your thoughts with us. Um, I, you know, Kirk and I, before seeing the movie with any Marvel movie, you get bombarded with, um, all of these like embargoed reviews that come out beforehand. That's like, you, you can't avoid it. And so no. there were, there were tons of mixed opinions, even, you know, me and Kirk's opinions are obviously pretty mixed here. There's just, there's a lot going on here to react to, and it's going to hit everybody differently. So I'm excited to have the conversation. Um, please, please share your thoughts with us on social media, discord, wherever you see fit. I just want to get into it and, there's so, 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 so much we can discuss now that this is here and we're, we're ready for it. So hopefully you enjoyed this spoiler-free review and hopefully you get to go see the movie so we can get into it more next week. Thank you guys so much for listening, as oh, no. always. Oh, no, oh, Kirk's no. getting sucked back into the quantum oh. realm. And that's our, <laughs> that's our cue to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as the band Rhetoric, who created our original music. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you next week. Talk to you then. 